Warning, this episode includes mentions of sexual violence that may prove sensitive to some listeners. This episode's music was provided by Brando Jordan. For more beats like this, check out his beat stars at B-R-A-N-D-O Jordan or subscribe to his YouTube channel with the same name or follow him on his Instagram at B-R-A-N-J-D-N. Thank you. Now enjoy the show. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, King Scythe, a.k.a. The Grim Reaper, back with another episode of the This Is An Experiment podcast with your host, none other than I, King Scythe. Why'd I say that twice? Hey, because you got to know. So, I ain't going to waste no time. I'm going to get into it. This episode entitled The Long Game, why'd I title that, right? To explain that is to essentially talk about this. A lot of people I see on social media and in the internet era, are a product of the internet itself right and so what that means is we're a product of people who can get things faster than any other uh group or generation in history fucking does sites right so why is that important why why did you bring that up why is that an important point that's an important point because when you consider that right we are expecting things to be faster than anything and than any other group this is our expectation we're wired this way because of the technology that's given to us because of the advantages that's given to us and that can be harmful in some ways that we don't even consider or we don't think about not just to business not just to economies but that could be harmful to us as people and humans and in our actual like growth and development and so to think about the long game is to think about rewiring your brain from that because if you think about it look at the world around us right your phone 100 you make like thousands of taps a day and you're performing so many actions to get whatever you want no matter how small that might be to get some entertainment to buy something to you know what i'm saying learn something everything that you can get access to is so readily available and free that means that with instant gratification right it's a lot of shit we don't have the patience for we're, we're wired that way <laughs> shit motherfucker i can get it now while wait well when you're working towards goals when you're working you know in business shit like that is a harmful attitude and it's a harmful thing it's one of those things where it's like we expect things so fast that we get upset when they don't happen instantly because if you look at other things in our life shit it's like a Thanos snap it's instant motherfucker if you think about that right like I said harmful yeah and how do we rewire ourselves from that how do we step out of that and that shit ain't easy you know but i'm gonna try to get to the root of that over the next couple episodes but i want to leave y'all with some doom and gloom but also some positives right because one of the things about the long game is the ability to think long term to think ahead to think about what might happen don't think in the now think about what possibly might happen you know and how to adapt and be prepared for that but to also look at examples 
of motherfuckers who were not playing the long game, who were not thinking long term, who wanted to build shit so fast, who ultimately crashed. We can look at artists, businesses, and shit, we might look at a few examples too. A few general examples. First thing I want to start off with is a statistic, really. And that is that over 70% of startups fail. And most of them fail because of their their lack of ability to scale, but particularly because they want to grow too fast. So if you're a business, that's something to think about, right? You have so many businesses. A lot of people's first business won't be their most successful business. It just won't. It might not last. They're probably in that motherfucker. And for reasons like this, you know, you were inexperienced. There was a lot of shit you didn't learn. But when you look at uh, companies, when you look at businesses, the world is full of examples of that shit. And one such example is a company known as Zynga, who's doing, eh, they're doing all right right now. But they, if you go and you go on Google, you'll search so many articles about Zynga essentially being a startup that wanted to scale too quickly. You know, Zynga is a company that made a popular game that y'all probably know if y'all are about my age called Farmville. Farmville uh, was wildly popular at the time, right? Hugely successful at the time. And, you know, Zynga was just in its beginning stages. And this was when Facebook really started to make like Facebook games. And so Zynga did two things wrong. They, du- they doubled down on trying to scale, hiring more talent, and they hired such a high influx of talent. In fact, they were low-key doing, not low-key, high-key, doing illegal practices. They poached a lot of people from EA, Electronic Arts, you know, the largest, probably one of the biggest video game publishers and companies. You know, they make Madden. FIFA, all that fun stuff, right? And they've made some of the biggest games ever. So with them poaching a lot of those people from EA, you know, they probably overpaid some people um, and aggressively hired way too many employees. And they also, the second thing that they did was that was wrong was they bought a company called OMG Pop that really made like one mobile game that was really popular which was called draw something at the time as well but by the time they got it it really didn't perform well enough for them because the 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 game had lost its social clout and so zynga failed to really look at the long term because zynga did not essentially say hey now that we have a game on Facebook that's wildly popular instead of doubling down and being heavily reliant on the social media platform because you know we don't own any stake in Facebook if something happens to Facebook our company is out back it's gone one of the best ways to secure your business is to just like they advise with regular humans diversify your investments and diversify the products and services that you offer Zynga failed to do that. They were overly reliant on Facebook. 
they hire so many employees essentially for the purpose of trying to get more uh, games and development in Facebook. So they failed to see long term. And also with hiring, with like buying draw something, Zynga really failed to identify something that would benefit them long term. So that is like an example in business because uh, if you check like back then, because this was like 2013 when they were having this issue. Before then, the company was probably valued at like $7 billion. That joint went down to a third and they had to cut like 500 out of the probably like 3,000 employees that they had. So that's a big, that's a big uh, cut there. And you really see, damn, had they properly scaled and they had not been over relying on Facebook, they might've been all right. Had they used their talent pool to maybe develop things on the side that wasn't relied on Facebook, they'd be all right. And even with like, um, back then, you know, like Farmville was actually built using Adobe Flash. Now, so the mobile aspect of it now, you know, it's not so reliant on Farmville, but like a lot of the tech and how they built it was not really built to last because nobody uses the Adobe Flash. Adobe Flash is basically obsolete now. So everything they did was for the then for the now. Because when you look at social media, social media, like I said, it wires us that way. It wires the short term. Oh, what's hot? What's trending? How can we capitalize on that in the moment? Not how can I basically build something that will not just be here today and gone tomorrow. And so that's something in business I want y'all to think about when y'all think about the long game. And for my people who don't want to own a business, people who want to work for a good company and want to, you know, make decent money, good money at a job to sustain themselves. This is my doom and gloom part for y'all. Right now as I'm recording this podcast, we in COVID era. And so, the unfortunate part about COVID era is over 40 million jobs were lost, right? But the even more unfortunate part is 42% of the jobs that were lost will be are basically obsolete and replaced by artificial intelligence and automation. Really let that sink in. <laughs> Some people who need to go back to work when all this clears up literally will not have a job anymore because it does not exist. So I want you to ask yourself, if I get this degree or if I don't have a degree, if I have this certification or I have this trade, is my trade obsolete? Is my degree essentially obsolete like my job or, you know, everything I worked for? Am I, am I still going to have a job when I go back to work? Is it going to be as easy? You look at it now, right? You got people who don't have degrees. People who, let's say, were just cashiers. You look at a place like McDonald's where, you know, cashiers are increasingly, like, not needed. They don't staff as many of them. Because they got these machines. You can touch the screen. You can order on it. You can fill in your order and you can pay that way. You ain't even got to talk to the cashier like that. That's going to be a trend with not just a bunch of restaurants, but a bunch of different companies where increasingly 
they're going to replace the staff with small little micro actions and they're going to tweak the formula to figure out how much human you actually need not just in the process of logistics how they move product but like once they ship the product to the certain stores or shit if certain stores to even be around if they still even want to do brick and mortar because a lot of motherfuckers would just buy shit from websites now so you know if i could just sell my shit online and i can make it successful that way i ain't gotta invest in the inventory uh like i ain't gotta invest in you know so much real estate and pay rent to rent out a building or to buy a building i'll just get a warehouse or rent out a warehouse and maybe the, once i make my equipment or i get i outsource my talent to do that shit i don't need no brick and mortar i just use all these machines and stuff and have the, the whole logistics process done automatically and that kind of efficiency is only going to evolve and become deeper and so i want y'all to really think about how many of y'all are replaceable <laughs> that's a scary thought to think about i'm a computer science major they're even talking about now they're having you know these different things where they're having code that can be automatically generated i mean they've already had certain you know like code that's able to like be automatically generated but like on a deeper level to uh be able to program a bit better uh and you think about that right that'll reduce the amount of code that i have to write might not necessarily completely get rid of me they're always going to need somebody to code and program machines and to write code only thing is they might need less of them now <laughs> so it pays to learn other skills and you learn these multiple skills for when that struggle hits and you also learn each other's skills to be more adaptable to the environment it's a lot of people who they they say okay i'm gonna learn this one thing and that's it well, what happens when that no that one thing is no longer useful gotta learn something new and so part of the long game for y'all is to really assess where you are professionally and where you are in life and ask yourself hey is this something that i can survive off of long term if not what other things i can get into and i want y'all to even look at the upside is that although a lot of these jobs will be gone there are going to be companies that need new workers for the tech that they're employing there are going to be so many new technologies that they're going to need workers to help manage that or to you know have an expertise about that and so think about that right how y'all can maybe look at new industries and be professionals in those industries right so that's the long game for y'all so to my artists you die by your own ignorance why did i start off by saying that right well i think part of the long game for y'all is to really learn the business and there's reasons why you want to do that right number one you want to learn the business because if you don't you constantly get screwed in it 
in business, there's a constant checking of someone's ability to exploit someone else. You know, checks and balances, right? And when people can get over on you, in certain instances they will. And that's especially true in the entertainment industry. It's filled with that. Because the entertainment industry is the only industry where they profit off of your ignorance to such a high degree. One of my favorite books to read that I recommend every artist read, anyone who ever wants to be involved in the music business, is the 10th edition of Donald Passman's Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. Very good book. One of the first things he talks about is actually like a like a, a prologue or something that they put in the beginning of the books, what have you. Preface, a preface. Is that what you call it, right? So, essentially, he asks, what does a brain surgeon and a rock star both have in common? Donald basically says something to the effect of, both of them can perform their talent extremely well and be really good at their craft without ever having to know the business aspect of it. Possibly still make money. Well, Saif, you just said that if you know, you don't know anything about the business, you'll get screwed over. That still holds fucking true. You'll possibly, you'll make money, but you won't make the amount of money that you should make. <laughs> or shit, you might make negative money. You might be in debt, nigga. So with that, right? A lot of people, like I said, they want instant gratification and they think for the short term. And that holds true for artists. Artists, I see a lot of y'all worrying about everything but how to be sustainable. You know? And now falling victim to this. Oh, what's the analytics like? It's like, nigga, do you even have fans? Like, that, that'd be the thing, right? That I want y'all to ask yourself. Like, do you have people who give a fuck? That's always the biggest fundamental question for an artist. Who cares about you? Who gives a fuck? Who are the specific people who give a fuck about you? Who care about you? And those people are the people that you cater to. And those people are the people that make you. Those are the people who pay you. Those are the people you get money off of. Don't exploit them. Don't treat them like shit. Because it's a very fragile relationship if you depend on them, right? To be you know a brand but with that right that's part of the long game where like i said in business you want to diversify your products and service as an artist you want to diversify your risk so i see a lot of y'all who y'all have all these other talents y'all not utilizing one of the things about artists is a lot of artists have a limited shelf life it's going to end it's funny, Passman says this in his book. At some point, your career as an artist is going to end. It's going to have an end. Whether that be at your death or should, whether that be premature. But ultimately, your ability to create a self-sustainable system for yourself is going to prove your success. So... 
If you look at a lot of these artists who are rich, who are the most wealthy artists, a lot of them, they didn't just stay in music. They invested in other aspects of businesses. But here's a key point, right? They leveraged their personal brand as an artist to do so. And so when y'all think about being artists, think about your brand and how you use your extension of a brand of yourself and your brand as an artist to make money. That's the long term game. Don't focus so much on the day to day analytics, who's saying what, what's the new popular sound. Focus on who gives a fuck about you. How long will they give a fuck? And at some point, how can I leverage that to make myself more money in other areas? That's the long-term game for y'all. And I want to give y'all examples of people from a controversial perspective who were successful, people who weren't. It's do's and don'ts. Number one, a don't. If you're an artist, don't think that controversy is a guaranteed way to get you long-term success. Case in point, Takashi 69 A lot of people say, well, he's still big and he's still all right right now. Well, thing about it is, Takashi 69 is not a long-term successful artist. His album that he just put out, like a lot of his songs, they flopping. His music is not that successful, but his antics are. He can garner a lot of attention, but how many people are truly his down fans? How many people are truly interested in him for his music? And that's the point. He has to do so much risk. This He's a person who, he leveraged his image as a quote-unquote gang member, right? Quote-unquote. To make money as an artist to, to, that was that was his brand problem is his brand was not sustainable from a music business product perspective do y'all hear about any of six nines other things besides his antics do y'all hear about any other businesses that he's invested in how many of y'all know about six nines merch how many of y'all have seen people wear that man's merch what other things is he involved in and he's invested in you don't know about that shit. You know why? Because he's too focused on trying to stay relevant with his antics. And so, the same way you go in, this is, is the way you go out. You go in bad, you're going to come out bad. So that's the don't. But, on the upside, there's somebody who, I think, took that risk. And they were very good at it. It's one of the very few people. And this is why I say don't do it, because... This is a, a very small minutia. There's a, 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 a very small amount of motherfuckers who can make success off of that shit. The only person I think to really capitalize off the idea of beef, for example, is 50 Cent. 50 Cent is the only artist to successfully build a brand off of beef and conflict controversy and become a sustainable long-term artist off of that if y'all know somebody else you let me know but in my eyes he's the only person and the thing about it is 
every move that 50 Cent made, even with that, he thought long term. 50 Cent, essentially when he was beefing with Ja Rule, and you know, he after he had got shot, he had maximized, you know, what he could do with one label, and they didn't want him anymore. Like, he potentially was not going to be big anymore. Eminem and Dr. Dre saw that man and said, we want that. <laughs> and they saw the long-term success in the way that they can invest in him. And so, 50 Cent, to this day, like I said, he diversified his portfolio, right? He had vitamin water, made millions off of that. He has power. He has all these other things, right, to sustain himself. So that, essentially, he can say what the fuck he wants. He has what you call fuck you money. <laughs> but with 50 Cent, right? He's beef with guys like Fat Joe. You know, who back in the day they called that shit the terror squad. They were not to be fucked with. He's beef with so many different artists. And he's come out on top for it. How many artists, you know, can do that? Another artist who not necessarily has remained relevant off of beef but they remained relevant of controversy it's kanye west kanye is one of the few people who can capitalize off of controversy no matter what we think about the man i think that there's a method to that madness and i honestly think there's a certain amount of that that he manufactures and he profits off of that can allow him to still be successful you know one of the few people who can do that but Kanye just became a billionaire but with both of these guys who are controversial figures there's a key point that I want to drive home both of these guys diversified themselves in business they did not strictly rely on music but they did look at their brand and they capitalized on the controversy of their brand to essentially balance the good with the bad and make some gold out of that shit so if you were one of those artists if you did want to go the controversial route which i highly do not recommend there's something to think about no matter how controversial you are ultimately how you leverage your brand is the difference between your success and your failure how you leverage your image ultimately tells all and that's the long game on that aspect so that's a, that's the first do and like a don't now second thing i want to start off with the next point by saying something that passman also said success hides a multitude of sins and i think philosophically that that holds true because if you look at a lot of celebrities if you look at a lot of artists we look at us in comparison to them and we look at what we think of them as mythical figures as celebrities in comparison to us regular folk as these famous people who they've achieved notoriety for a certain reason and they've got where they've gotten because of it whether it be because of their talent and their talent making them you know notable which has allowed them to get money we admire them for these sorts of things right and they make us attracted to them. They enamor us with that, their personality. 
and shit there's regular people just like them they just didn't get the chance to be famous but like I said that's our idea of success in the way that we view them and like I said has a multitude of sins but with that don't 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 think that if you build something on a shaky foundation you can easily fix that motherfucker and I see a lot of artists who they move in questionable ways like I said controversy it's different from this but this is just like not even controversy this is just behind the scenes shit people who don't approach people right people who don't build themselves on integrity because on face value you can build your brand and your public image one way and behind the scenes do some other shit but you know the idea of what's hidden in the dark comes to the light the bigger you are the more likely your shit is to get aired out because the bigger you are the harder it is to control your own narrative some people actually don't think that's true some people think it's the opposite. <laughs> they think the bigger you are, the more people you can control, so you can control the narrative. You can still control the narrative. You can pay certain motherfuckers off, but it becomes increasingly harder to do so. And I want to look at someone who's an artist. We don't like to think of him as an artist, but we do like to think of him as a comedian and a powerful figure. I want to look at him in terms of this, right? by saying Nick Cannon Nick Cannon is a prime example no matter what do you think about his views on things no matter what you think about what he said he is a prime example of a key point everything you build can be taken away faster than you can build it everything you work for your brand all of that can be reversed Bill Cosby is another such example. He's a comedian. Everything you build on your foundation, everything you work for can be instantly taken away with less than 10 seconds of controversy or 10 seconds of a bad moment. It can be. Less than 10 seconds can ruin over 30 years of work. (laughs) And nothing holds true like Bill Cosby. But with Nick Cannon, he said what he said. And whether anyone agrees with it, no matter anyone's views on it, obviously it harmed his brand. And it's not able to do wild and out because of it. So you really think about that, right? It's like, bro, he really spent a decade building this platform. And for it to be instantly taken away because he didn't fucking own it. He didn't have ownership in it. That's one thing, right? And that goes back to diversifying your risk and, you know, being able to own your own destiny. But look at Bill Cosby. He's someone who did own shit. Who does own shit. But look at this guy. They took his awards. They took so many different things. Regardless of what you feel about Bill Cosby. Hey, it holds true. I remember, uh, and like I said, regardless of what you think about D.L. Hewley. I remember uh, looking at a D.L. Hewley interview and he was talking about something a while back. Whether you believe this is true or not. He said he knew the power that Bill Cosby had when he came up to the radio station uh, and called because Bill Cosby was known for not really liking comedians raw, you know, and uncensored comedy. He didn't like 
comedians to curse and use profanity and talk about such subjects because he he preferred the cleaner image of comedy and the aspect of it so he chastised and he spoke out about a lot of comedians who were more raw and edgy who did use more explicit content who created more explicit work and he called up to D.L. Healy to you know to talk to him about that shit and D.L. Healy said with all due respect Mr. Cosby I'm not the one leaving women you know passed out with their drawers off and so when you think about something like that right he says afterwards he knew the power that Bill Cosby had when the radio station called said where's the tape and they got rid of it <laughs> that's the type of power money has but you think about that that was like way before any of that came out this was like decades people have known about this stuff for years so a lot of people are like why are people just now talking about it hey he was able to use his influence but for so long but certain things get so big and when you mess with so many people when you mess with so many people for so long something's bound to happen he could no longer control the narrative up to this point and so if you think about that right that's a shaky foundation to build on when you move a certain way or when you say certain things or when you do certain things like that like i said life is fragile that shit could be taken away in an instance and same thing applies to business that's the doom and gloom part but the good part is you can reduce your likelihood of that shit happening by building your brand and building yourself on strong principles and that's the motherfucking long game so if you enjoyed this episode keep listening if you didn't like it we're gonna tweak it because this is an experiment king sight out <laughs>